Hi friends, Rob Bell here, and I am thrilled to welcome you to my new podcast, which is called, of course, The Robcast. It's 2015, it's the beginning of a new year, and what better time to start a new Robcast? So um, we have all sorts of ground to cover, all sorts of things to talk about. If you have questions, um, send them to questions at robbell.com if you'd like, um, because I'll be, over the course of these Robcasts, dealing with a lot of um, questions that you have. I've been doing this series on Tumblr called What is the Bible? And what happened over time on the Tumblr is the questions you were sending me, I started thinking, wait, these aren't questions about the Bible necessarily. These are questions about life, spirituality, God, faith. What does it look like to have a spiritual life in this new world that we find ourselves in? I believe that everything is spiritual. There's this ancient story about Moses and the burning bush and the rabbis, the, the sages would say that Moses, when he comes across the bush, the bush doesn't suddenly start burning. The bush has been burning the whole time. It's just that Moses all of a sudden realizes it. So the question is, are you and I passing burning bushes all the time, but we're missing them? We're too busy. We're too distracted. We're asleep. We aren't awake. And we're missing depth and meaning and joy and significance of every moment of every day. That's what drives me, and that's what I love to talk about. Now, before I get into today's uh, topic, a couple of things. A couple of months ago, my wife and I had a new book come out. Kristen and I sat down side by side for a year and a half and wrote a book about marriage called The Zimzum of Love. It's about a new way of understanding marriage as the space between two people. So in the book, we explore what is this space? How does it work? What does it look like? And how can you make the love and energy in this space flow between you all the more? So um, at different times in the course of these Robcasts, there's always the chance Kristen will show up and we will talk about the Zimzum. So that's Zimzum of Love. And then secondly, in March, I'm going to be doing an event with Richard Rohr. Um, I imagine many of you are uh, deeply appreciative of Richard's work, as am I. He's been sort of a hero, mentor, teacher, guide to me. And um, he and I are doing an event together in March. And all of the info about that event you can find at robbell.com. There you have it. Now, today's topic. I have a few questions to ask you. It's a new year, and it's always a beautiful time to ask questions about what we're doing with our lives. What are you up to? And here's my premise for today's Robcast. By the way, when you heard Robcast, you rolled your eyes, right? Because you're like, come on, that's the most ridiculous name for a podcast. But now it's starting to grow on you, isn't it? Say it with me now, Robcast. So in this Robcast, here is my premise. My premise is this. You can't say no until you've said yes. You can't say no until you've said yes. You're listening, and while you're listening to me, you've also been breathing. You've been inhaling and exhaling. You have received breath because you have received life. It is a sacred, holy gift your life. 
You have received it from a source. The word many of us use for that source is God. You might use energy or ultimate being or universe. But you have this intuitive sense that you have received a gift. It comes from somewhere. And gratitude is your response to this gift. Along with this gift, you've been given energy to do something in the world. You have been given life. The creator has essentially said to you, here is your life. What do you want to do with it? My observation is that far too many people are moving far too quickly, distracted, overcommitted, ping-ponging from one thing to another. Busy, 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 busy. Have you noticed how often when people say, how are things going? Oh, really busy. How about you? Oh, incredibly busy. How about you and the kids? Oh my word, just so busy. You know, it's just crazy. Why is everyone so busy to the point where it's normal to say, yeah, man, it's just been crazy. Why has crazy busy become the new normal? You know, deep in your bones, you have an inner wisdom. You have a radar deep in your soul that tells you this can't be how it's supposed to be. So what I want to explore with you is what does it look like to have a focused, disciplined, calm-centered life in which you're not too busy. You've given yourself to a few things because honestly, we can only give ourselves to a few things. Are you with me? We only have time and energy for a few things. What does it look like for you to give yourself to a few things, to be fully present and engaged in those few things, and most of all, to enjoy them? Because if you can do that then, and you've said yes to those things, now you have a filter or a lens by which you can say no to everything else that is actually a distraction. There's this great story about Jesus I love in the book of Luke. He's been in this area, he's been teaching, he's been healing, he's been giving people this vision of this thing called the kingdom of God, we might say the realm of the divine. He's been blowing people's minds, he's been bringing them new life. And at one point the crowds are massive and at daybreak he departs, probably to get some space, to pray, and it says he went into a deserted place. But the crowds actually follow him. And when they find him, they wanted to prevent him from leaving them. So you have this big crowd of people. They come and they find Jesus and they say, you can't leave us. You have to stay with us. And you know, you just know human nature. There were some guilt trippers in that audience. What are we going to do if you leave us? God doesn't want you to leave us, right, right? You know, you know there were some people totally playing that card. But Jesus says to them, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other cities also, for I was sent for this purpose. And so he leaves. There are very real people with very real needs, arguing their case, doing what they can to prevent him from leaving them. And he looks them in the eyes and says, no. I have to keep going. Why? Because I have to keep going to the other cities proclaiming this news about the kingdom of God, bringing people fresh truth and life about deepest reality. He says no to them 
because he said yes to something and he has to be true to that. You cannot say no until you have said yes. The yes then, those few things you are doing, become like a filter and every other opportunity that comes your way, you can run through that filter. Does this fit with the few things we're doing or is this actually a distraction? Now, there's a couple subtle points here that are really important for us. The first is simply this, the good is often the enemy of the best. The good is often the enemy of the best. Here's what I mean. Years ago, like, like 10 years ago, Kristen and I were invited by a friend to go to this fundraising dinner. So we go to this dinner, our friend said, I bought a whole table at this dinner and I want you guys to come and sit at the table with me and there'll be a speech and they'll be trying to raise money, et cetera, et cetera. So Kristen and I go to this fundraiser and I'm sitting there at this rubber chicken dinner because they always serve some form of chicken made out of rubber, don't they? And I'm listening to the person who heads up this uh, organization that is doing the fundraiser. And I have this thought partway through, why am I here? Now my friend is really passionate about this cause. He, he cares. He's given a lot of money to it. He supports it. It's a big deal to him. I don't. I mean, it's not that it's not a good cause. It's a great cause. It's just, I have my own causes. We have our own things we're doing. And it's not like it's a night out with my friend, because I love my friend, but he's on the other side of the table. I'm sitting with people I don't know, which is fine. I like getting to know people I don't know. But I have this thought, because we had gotten a babysitter that night. It was a night away from my kids. Why am I here? This is a good thing. This cause is good. I adore my friend. This organization is doing fantastic work. But the thing is, it's not one of the few things we are doing. It's like, it's like a B minus. It's fine. It's somebody else's A. But for me, it's a B minus. See, the good is sometimes the enemy of the best. What happens is you end up involved in a whole bunch of good things, but they actually take all your energy from the few best things. Oprah tells this great story about getting a call. Somebody asks her to give money to this uh, kid's cause. And they always say, she says, they always say, we know you love the children, so we know you'll give money to this. And she has this great line where she says, yes, I love the children, but not all of them. Like you can't, I think, by the way, I think that's really funny. You can't care about everything and you can't do everything. Those causes, that volunteering, that business, that project over there, they're good, they're great. They're some, for somebody else, those are their best things but there's always the chance that they're not your best things. And what happens is your energies get diluted. You're all over the place, which means you aren't dialed into the few things that you know are the best things for you. So first, good is enemy of the best. Second, limits then are your friend. Limits are your friend. We all have limits. Limits on time, limits on energy, limits on your heart, 
I can't care about everything. Maybe you can, I can't. There's a point at which my heart can only care about so many things, and beyond that, I'm just going through the motions. By the way, is this you? You're going through the motions. The truth is you don't care. And it's something good. Somebody else should care about it. Somebody else does care about it. And you've been faking that you care about it. It's okay, by the way, to not care. You can care on a larger level, but in terms of your own energy, calendar, schedule, time, focus, talent, you can't care about everything. Your heart simply can't do it. Limits are your friend. Here's why. It is better to be fully present and rested and engaged for one thing than rushed and scattered and distracted for 10. Better to do one thing and do it well. To be there, to be totally there and nowhere else than to be rushing from thing to thing to thing. You're at the one thing, you're already thinking about the next thing. You're at the next thing already realizing that you forgot some things or the thing before that. Going, 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 going. And you're at all of these things. You're there, but you're not there. You're at them, but you're not at them. You know what I'm talking about? It's when you're there, but you're on your phone. It's there, you're on your watch. It's there, but you're already making preparations for the next thing. You're going, going, going. Instead of doing a few things and doing them with such presence and concentrated effort that you're there and nowhere else. So that leads me uh, to a question. Is there anything you're doing because of guilt? You're doing it because, let's be honest, you think you're supposed to. And whenever people use the word, I guess I'm supposed to, I always ask, wait, 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 tell me about the supposing committee. Who, who, supposed to who? Is it supposed to because of what? Voices in your head? Ego? By the way, your ego hates the thought that you have limits. Your ego wants to think it can do it all. But what happens as you listen to your ego less and less, and you are more and more tuned into your true self, is you're okay with limits. I would love to be able to do that, but I can't, and it's okay. Is there anything you're doing because of guilt? I guess I'm supposed to. Is there anything you're doing because somebody guilted you into it? You are not doing it because you know your inner wisdom tells you this isn't one of those few best things but you're doing it simply because somebody else guilted you into it. Is there anything you are doing because of the fear that if you stop doing it, you won't look good, accomplished, hardworking, spiritual enough, whatever it is? Is there anything where it's fear? I don't want people to think that I can't do it all. Nothing is more powerful than when you are honest and true to yourself. I would love to be able to do this, but I can't because it's too much, period. Is there anything you're doing because of fear that you'll appear in some way you don't want to appear? Is there anything you're doing because you're scared of what people will think? Let's let that go. You don't need to do things out of fear. You don't need to do things because you're scared. You don't need to do things out of guilt. You do what you do because your life is a precious, holy, sacred gift. 
every breath from the divine. And these energies that you've been given to act in the world, talents, passion, intention, clarity, you've been given this life to do your thing in the world, to be you in the world. And the truth is, you can only do a few things, but you can do them really well, fully present. So do those things. Now, I wanna talk about seasons. Because often what happens is people jump into something, they do it for a while, they do it for a season, and now they're still doing it simply because, well, I've always done it, or we've always done it this way. Some seasons, all seasons come and go, but some seasons end and you're still living like you're in that season, but you're not. You'll often meet, I'll often meet people who are committed to things, and when you start asking them why, they'll tell you stories from years ago about being involved in that thing. And they don't have any new stories because the truth is it was great then. It was beautiful for a season. My therapist used to say, for a reason, for a season. Friendships, institutions, volunteering, causes, projects, work, art, creativity, business, for a reason, for a season. And now what happens often is we're now in a new season and the person is propping up this thing. They're still going, but the truth is there's no life in it. They're just going through the motions. Seasons start and then they end. And it's okay to say this season has come to an end. It's okay. And the truth is oftentimes the new season doesn't begin until you're willing to let the old season end. Well, what will I do next? I don't know. Do the next right thing, which is to end that season, and you'll be shocked at how many new things will probably present themselves to you. I was doing a Q&A a couple weeks ago in a city, and a woman said that she'd been involved in a cause for a while, and she had this gnawing sense that her time had come to an end doing this particular cause. And she, she's basically in the question, you can tell she already knows the truth. She says, but I'm just terrified because of the people that I do this with. They just aren't going to let me be done. And it was like, you know the truth here. Um, it was as if she just needed somebody to say, you're correct. That season is over. Let's finish it well. And then let's move on to the next one, which leads me to courage. It takes courage to do a few things and do them well. By the way, uh, Dr. Henry Cloud, a friend of mine, great psychologist, he has an amazing book called Necessary Endings. And he simply takes you through how healthy people understand that there are necessary endings in life. And that one of the problems is oftentimes people hang on way too long when something, it was over, so just let it be over. Let's have a necessary ending and then you can move on. Highly recommend Dr. Henry Cobb's book on this, Necessary Endings. Now, back to courage. Three things here. Courage. It takes courage to do a few things and do them well. It takes courage. It takes courage to say no. It takes courage to be resolute, to be focused, to have clarity, to be intentional. It takes courage to say, I'm going to do these things 
and I'm not going to do those things, and I'm not going to let people guilt me. I'm not going to live in fear. I'm not going to be scared of what people will think. I'm not going to worry what people are saying about me because I'm not doing that thing, because I'm doing these things. It takes courage. Now, let's get really practical. First off, clutter. Is your calendar too cluttered? Let's get real basic. Very straightforward question. Is your calendar too cluttered? If you look at the things on your calendar, do you think best, 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 best? Or do you have a calendar of B minuses? <laughs> That's funny, just, just a B and a minus on every square in your calendar. Is your calendar full of yes, this is one of those best things. This is one of those few things. Or are you committed to all sorts of things that are actually, let's be honest, they may be good, but it's not the best. Second, your closet. Let's get very practical. Let's go from the giant, abstract, sort of conceptual, your life is a gift from God, all the way to the most practical. Do you have clothes in your closet you haven't worn in the past year? Why do you have them? Why do you have that stuff in your garage? Why do you have that stuff in your closets? If it's not part of your life and what you're doing with this few years and this energy that you do have, then why do you have it? And by the way, I guarantee there are things that you have that you don't need and don't use and are actually cluttering your life that somebody else could use. Um, let's, I'm just looking around my desk right now, this desk where I'm doing this podcast, I'm sorry, Robcast. Are there things in your workspace that shouldn't be there? It's clutter. It actually distracts you from the few things you are doing. And then uh, while we're at it, let's talk about criticism. Clutter, criticism. Because as you dial in on those few things, what you will discover is that one of the most potent ways of dealing with criticism is always coming back to the few things you are doing. See, what happens sometimes is people get criticized and they don't know what they're doing. And so the criticism actually calls into question, who am I, what am I doing here? Their identity, their self-esteem, their, their security in the world, what they're, why they're even here. It becomes way bigger than simply this criticism that has come your way. Is it about the few things that you are doing? Because if you know the few things that you are doing, then you can simply say, what is the criticism? Oh, that's helpful. That criticism helps me do these few things better. That's a good note. Thank you. That critique is helpful. It helps me do it better. At that point, you've just judo moved the criticism. It's a judo move because now the thing that would have been a negative becomes a positive. This critic is actually helping me do these few things better. Excellent. Also then, this gives you a filter and a lens through which to say that criticism has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with what I'm doing. And then you can blow it off. You can say, that has nothing to do with the few things I am doing. Clutter, criticism, courage. My hope for you is that you have the courage to live a focused, disciplined, calm, passionate, centered, grounded life where you're doing a few things. You're doing them well. You're not one more person saying, I'm just so busy, I'm just so busy, it's just so crazy. You're doing a few things, you're doing them well. Obviously there are seasons that are busier than others. Obviously there are seasons where it's like, oh my word, even these few things are like a wave about ready to drown me. I get it, I get it. But 
the long game here, 2015, what would it look like for you to live in a whole new way where you have a few things you have said yes to and so you know then what to say no to? And then let me just say this here at the end. Is there anybody listening who you need to be given permission to say no? You just need to hear somebody say, you don't have to do that. You don't have to go there. You don't have to volunteer there. You don't have to be committed there. You don't have to be involved there. You don't have to live according to that person's guilt trip they're putting on you. You don't have to live with that fear. You can say no. Permission to say no. Why? Because you've said yes. Now, for a benediction to conclude this first ever Robcast, may you, my brothers and sisters, may you say yes to life. May you discern through your own inner wisdom, through the interaction with friends and trusted mentors and advisors, may you discern those few things that are yours to do in the world. May you not be rushing from one thing to the next, totally distracted and scattered and hair on fire, but may you move from this thing to the next thing to the next thing with clarity and purpose. And may you enjoy every moment along the way. Grace and peace be with you. This is Rob Bell signing off on the first ever Robcast. <laughs>